All right, welcome in everyone to the Empty Ball Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and we're going to be talking about our Illini and Bears today, which means I have my buddy Andrew along with me. Andrew, I got my water bottle right next to me, not doing anything too crazy today, but we should be having celebratory shots, and we'll talk about that in a second. Why? But what do you got in front of you today? You know, Danny, I pulled out. I usually was going to go with water, but today I was like, you know, we've had some exciting news recently. It's been a fun year, so I pulled out a nice cold lemonade. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Man, down south here, we'd throw a little ice, sweetened iced tea, and uh, man, we'd have a, a real banger, banger on our hands. But we're having celebratory drinks today because the Illini, the Illini, the Illini, Andrew, are you kidding me? They are blowing past expectations. A team that we went Saturday after Saturday while we were in college, going to sit in the cold student sands, and we're just getting beat down every single weekend. And we kept going back every weekend. We kept going back, hoping for hope. And it's just, it, it, it was a dead end. And I don't know why we kept going back, but there was just so much frustration leaving that stadium every Saturday. Now it seems like this program is not having a flash in the pan season, but maybe it's starting to turn the corner as a program as a whole. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about, you know, what is the path for Illinois to get to a bowl game? How do we get to six wins? Where are those going to come? Stuff like that. And then, man, this has been fun to watch. You just saw game after game, this team come out and play hard. And they secured a lot of those wins. Some of them we didn't think they'd get, and they made it look easy. Right. Um, it was, it's been fun to watch. No, I think that that critical goal in the middle, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, back to back to back weeks, three weeks, um, three game, probably the three teams most picked to win the Big Ten West. You beat all three of those and pretty much now have the inside track for the Big Ten West title. And like you said, we laid out a roadmap. I don't think I any of our roadmaps had us winning three or you know one or two let alone all three of them are you kidding me we were trying to pick off indiana we were trying to pick off um there's no way we're gonna do michigan but we were trying to pick off michigan state maybe hoping they have a down year maybe uh minnesota have a down year uh we have to beat our non-conference maybe skid away six games but not nothing like this man so it's just great to see them just completely dominate and just look very competent on both sides of the ball yeah, I mean, as you said, their defense has been lights out. They've yeah. been extremely dominant. And that offense, I mean, we knew Chase Brown, obviously, was going to have a good season, as he always does. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about him later a lot. But then you see the passing game. They're able to get stuff going in the passing game. The defense is playing even better. And it's like they just have everything clicking. It's it's a good team. They're fun to watch. And they're, they're fighting, um, you know. Yeah, really good complimentary football really good complimentary football. The defense is just run stuffers, which is a must in the big 10 West. It starts up front Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph and the defensive line has just been elite. Um, and then they're anchored by a really well talented, probably undervalued um, safety and cornerback core that they have back there, a back five. Um, the linebackers are pretty much what we thought they were. We thought that was the strength of this defense. It's probably been the strength of the defense for years, even though you maybe wouldn't call the defense a strength, but 
they were probably the most reliable and they're still pretty reliable, but I think they're kind of meeting our expectations while the defensive line and the defensive backs have just taken incredible steps forward. And that has just done a number for this number one defense in the country. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, in college football, a lot of times you'll see pass heavy offenses. Um, you know, you'll see quarterbacks just go out there and try to throw for seven touchdowns or something. And then you see Illinois defense, they have that defensive line, and that defensive back group. And, you know, usually when your defensive backs are playing well, the quarterback has to hold on to the ball a little longer to wait for an opening. When you have a good defensive line, they don't have that choice because they're taking sacks. So, you know, having those two work together is, it's fun to watch in that passing game. And uh, man, that defense, they're just playing with so much energy and Mm -hmm. passion. You can tell that they're, they're hyped up because, you know, they were pretty good last year, but the offense struggled. Yeah. This year you get that good offense and the defense is feeding off of that. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think a lot of it is set up by Chase Brown, the Heisman candidate, right? He's, I mean, the fact that this Illini offense is just so efficient, um, like you brought up the passing game, we've kind of always had good running backs, I felt like, at Illinois, but they've just always been kind of, unable to break out really just because of the lack of an, uh, a passing offense. Well, we finally have a, a really proficient passing offense. Now there, it's not the Tennessee team this year. It's not the 2019 LSU team that, you know, blew up the college football world, but it's a really efficient team uh, or passing offense. And I think that's really helping chase Brown break out. And it's also giving this defense the rest it needs on the sidelines. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it. There's, <laughs> We finally got some decent quarterback play, which is just huge. Um, Receivers, you know, there's some guys stepping up, but, um, man, it's – these past few years, it's like we've had a run game. We've had a decent defense. Those have both obviously taken a step up, but the one thing we were always missing was a quarterback that could make throws. They were – you know, going back to like West Lund, oh my I think was – he was there during our time, and it was like, oh, my goodness, we don't have a passing game. And then, you know, you're not going to score a whole bunch of points in college if you don't have any sort of passing game, but you, it's fun. It's crazy for a one-year rental for a new offensive coordinator to come in and mesh as well as they are. And it it just, it's, you know, credit to those players and coaches for getting it done, man. But like Tommy DeVito, uh, when we were talking about him in the off season, we were like, yeah, he did some good things at Syracuse kind of injured a lot. I don't really know what to expect. I never expected this man. Like he is, he's taking such good care of the football. We went 20 for 22 against Nebraska. And I think only one of them was a throwaway. Like, and one of them was just a basic incomplete pass. So pretty much only one incomplete pass. Um, He set the completion percentage for Memorial stadium in Nebraska um, this past weekend. Um, He's well on pace to break the Illinois, uh, uh, completion percentage for the school. Uh, he's just what the most we could hope for and more. Yeah, definitely. And it, this reminds me of the Illinois basketball team a couple of years ago when you have IO playing. Mm-hmm. And before that, you know, the program for a couple of years, wasn't the best. Um, you know, you weren't getting many very high recruits, you know, you're struggling a little bit in there mm-hmm. and then you bring Iowa in that team takes off and then you have transfers and you have recruits that are right. saying, Oh, Illinois is good. Now, maybe I'll go play there. I'm hoping we're having the same for football this year. I'm hoping that Tommy DeVito and this team are able to show, Hey, 
for any prospects, any yeah. transfers. Illinois is a place you might want to play. Now, hopefully we'll get a quarterback for next year once yeah. uh, Tommy well, DeVito is gone. Yeah. But I'm hoping that we're taking that same step with the football program because, man, this coaching staff, these coordinators, they're doing a good job. And if they can just get a couple players, a couple recruits, transfers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's going to be fun to watch for a couple of years still. Right. Look how much a, a, a few key players can turn around an entire team. Right. So like you said, it only takes a few to just kind of set the to set expectations even higher. Let's hope we can do it. Let's talk about bowl destination, Andrew. I think at the beginning of this year, we were thinking, oh, maybe we'll get to Detroit for, you know, a six win Illinois team playing a Mac team like a Toledo or something or Maybe even, you know, fingers crossed, we get to Nashville or the Pinstripe Bowl, which are like the, the next tier up for Big Ten Bowls. Dude, we might be thinking former Outback Bowl, which is now called the Relia Quest. It just sounds really lame, but it's an Outback Bowl, which was always a big bowl. Maybe thinking of the Citrus Bowl, dare I say the Rose Bowl. Um, dare I say the college football championship or the college football playoff. Like you're still in play for that eight games into the season. That is crazy that you're still in play for all, all of, all of that. Like no long, like, I think, I think you're probably past like the pinstripe and music city bowl in Nashville at this point. Like the, the floor is like the Relia quest formerly called the Outback bowl. I think that's the floor now, which is crazy. What are you, I mean, what, what are your expectations going for? What are you hoping for? I guess. I mean, Rose bowl and uh, yeah. playoffs both sound pretty good to me. Yeah, That's uh, that's being a little optimistic, but Hey, this game against Michigan, that's gonna be that's gonna be a huge game. Yeah. If if Illinois either wins that game or shows up strong there, then they have a chance. Um, mm-hmm. If they get blown out, then uh, you know, it's, then your chances are pretty much gone. But if Illinois pulls out a win there, then they have a chance of getting into the playoffs. Right. If they don't win that game, then we're we're you know we're looking at the bowl that was recently renamed. Right. Is <laughs> uh, pretty much. I think what we're going to be gunning for at that point. Right. No, like you said, if you beat Michigan and then that means you're probably making the big 10 championship game and you beat Ohio state or Michigan again, or Michigan again, like you're that 11 and one or 12 and one, you're making the college football playoff. Like you are the big 10 representative um, no matter what, with a one loss, with the one, with one loss on your record, you're in. Oh, yeah, I mean, at least if- you win one of those games, you're probably in the Rose bowl. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, if they win the Big Ten championship, it's going to be very hard for people not to put Illinois in that playoffs because Ohio State or Michigan, it's going to be one of them. And Mm -hmm. beating Ohio State, pretty much, I think you're in in the championship. Like, you cannot put a team that just beat Ohio State in, you know, unless they've blown up. But we'll see. But. You know, that, that yeah. those are some tough teams still. They I don't are, know they are. quite there. They're pretty let's, good. But. Let's see if we can tie up the West here, beating Michigan State and then Purdue. Um, yeah. We got to beat those two teams, and then we win the Big Ten West. And even if we lose to Michigan, we're still in the Big Ten championship game. So um, I say we concentrate on getting that done first. But, um, I yeah, agree. I mean, it's crazy that week eight, we just finished week eight, and, and literally the expectations are still – or not expectations, but the possibilities are, are still endless. And that's just more than anything we could have asked for. Uh, I, I don't, we can't, I, I mean, I like being greedy, but I think we're just happy no matter what here. Oh yeah. We're, we're happy and we're just taking it in. Obviously oh, yeah. we love Enjoy the to ride. see this team go far. Yeah. 
Yeah. We'd love to see his team go far, right. but at the end of the day, we're happy with where we are currently. And if, if we being, can just build on this, we're happy. I'm enjoying being happy on my Saturdays. Yes. Unfortunately, I can't say that about our Sundays, Andrew. And that brings us to the Chicago Bears, who kind of continued their fire sale from the offseason. Not even fire sale from the offseason. They kind of just let a lot of people go in the offseason. But they did trade a few pieces here through week what are we week six seven now the of the bears season so gone are robert quinn all right gone was khalil mack after they traded him they let um um our other uh, akeem hicks go right gone is now roquan smith as of yesterday we did bring back trace claypool in a pretty much equal trade and a little i mean you get a little bit more back um because Roquan Smith is probably a better haul than uh, Chase Claypool, but so you you had some death. But for the most part, this was you kind of cleaned house, and I think that was Ryan Poles' intention from the start to not even try to compete this year and just try to just tear it down to the studs, eliminate everything that this old regime did, the the uh, Ryan Pace regime and Matt Nagy regime, get rid of all all those construction plans. We're starting over. We're starting new. Yeah, I don't know about the not wanting to compete this year, but I do believe that his goal was to see how the younger players on the team would look and build for the future. And if you look at Roquan Smith and you look at, you know, how this offseason went, it was pretty obvious that we weren't really going to be able to bring him back um, on a contract. And if so, he'd be asking for a lot of money and his position just in the NFL doesn't warrant that amount of money. So what Ryan Poles basically did is said, all right, we're going to get a second and a fifth round pick for nine games of Roquan Smith. And this year you're not going to contend in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So at that point, and I actually kind of like what Ryan Poles is doing, to be honest, is he's saying this year we're going to focus on, you know, with the Chase Claypool signing, we're going to see how Justin Fields in the offense does. And personally as a fan now, I hate losing games, but I would be happy with the offense playing really well this year, the defense playing poorly and us losing games. So we get a decent draft pick while we see Justin Fields shine. Like in that would be, yeah. yeah. That would be great for me to see. Cause then, you know, next year you have over a hundred million in cap space. Yeah. You have all these draft picks. You can plug in some of those gaps. You can build a better O line, maybe snatch a receiver in the draft build up that defense, and then you're rocking next season. You're looking at, you know, playoffs, and if not further, for next season. Mm-hmm. That's going to be huge. So while it sucks to lose Roquan Smith, who, you know, he was great at making tackles, he could go sideline to sideline. Um, I don't disagree with that move by Ryan Poles, and I'm glad he went out and got a receiver. If he didn't get a receiver, we'd be talking about something different right now because then it would just be basically selling off. But the fact that we get Chase Claypool and now we get to say, hey, Justin Fields, what can you do with a big body receiver mm-hmm. that can win 50, 50 balls alongside Darnell Mooney? Is this receiving core going to be okay? Or do we need to draft one? And then we'll focus O line and defense next year. And we'll see where we're at. I mean, we have the running backs. Like at that point, you're looking at O line, a receiver and some defensive players. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it's, it's, the possibilities are endless with trading all these people away creates a lot more needs. So Moving forward, yeah, I mean, it's a you're glad to have over 100 million dollars in cap space. You're glad to have all these uh, draft cap, all all this draft capital because you you need it because you created all these holes. Um, but you were doing it for a reason because, like you were saying, the Roquan Smith 
situation he he wasn't i don't think it was gonna work out here i don't think he was gonna resign here i think he wants to be in chicago like i think he likes being a chicago bear but uh it just seemed like both sides were just too far away from a deal um and roquan smith represents himself he doesn't have an agent um you know obviously you only have one opportunity to get a lifetime type of contract so if you think you deserve it go for it man i'm not one to say that you don't deserve it but like I think if you're Ryan Poles and the Chicago Bears, you just got to be like, I we we got to move into a different direction here. We're trying to think more long term. I don't think we need to invest this type of money into you. We can try to find it a different way, and I'm okay with that. I I, I think I, I'm not upset with Ryan Poles' decision making. In five years, Andrew, we'll know the answer if it worked or not. We will. And another thing is, Roquan Smith did request to trade the offseason. Yeah. You know, they, yeah him true. and Brian Poles are going back and forth. So it's like, I'm really not upset about that. We got some yeah. compensation back for him. Um, you know, I wish him the best in Baltimore. You know, mm-hmm. hopefully he'll shine there. But um, it just, I just didn't think that was going to work out for the Bears. And, you know, as you said, we'll see how this decision goes. But uh, if Ryan Poles can draft well, I'll tell you what. If he can draft well, the way he's working with things, this yeah. is going to be a pretty good team. So, I, yeah, I, I definitely think there's a lot of uh, just interesting pieces pieces on that team, especially like a defense. Uh, Brisker really like him, undervalued pick. I think we were kind of scared about that going into the season just because of the lack of depth. We were like a rookie, relying on a rookie back there. Like I don't know, but uh, so far I really liked him. So I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know diamond in the rough type pieces that might emerge um, from Ryan Pulse's early draft uh, draft pick. So we'll, we'll see, but let, let's kind of talk about Chase Claypool and what that means for Justin Fields' development, because I think going into this year, it would, like you said, Andrew, I don't think we would have cared if we saw the offense do really good. And then we were just losing games and shootouts because the defense just didn't have enough weapons, but you know, they were a scrappy team and upset a few teams every once in a while and still got a pretty decent draft pick. But our concern was, okay, are you surrounding Justin Fields with the protection that he needs to develop? Are you surrounding with the weapons he needs to develop on the receiving core? Because you can't really develop if you're running for your, for your life, the entire game, or if you're throwing to nobody that's open the entire game. So it's like, I, and if you're Ryan polls, you want to see, all right, if we get a really high draft pick, should we invest it in another quarterback? Or did Justin Fields show us enough this year that he's our franchise quarterback moving forward? And it's like, well, if you didn't even give him enough, you know, ingredients at the beginning, I don't know if you can, you know, get that recipe going to prove that he's the franchise quarterback. So um, hopefully this Claypool acquisition can kind of spur along Justin Fields' development. I mean, that's my hope as well. And one thing I want to talk about while we're on the topic of Justin Fields' development is the play calling mm-hmm. and Luke Getzey. The first few games of the season was a little rough, I thought. Yeah. Um, it didn't seem like him and Fields were on the same page or he really trusted Fields. Fields didn't look comfortable. He was waiting too long to throw. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we had not a bye week, but we had a long week. I think we played a Thursday night and then went on like a Monday night. Um and Luke Getze, in that time period, went and they actually borrowed plays or stole plays from the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar <laughs> Jackson. Yeah. And you saw once they instituted that, Fields looked a lot more comfortable. He was hitting the big throws. He had more time. He wasn't taking a bunch of these hits. So I think that was huge for his development. And I hope they continue doing that. 
Um, you know, they're putting up more points. They put up 29, I think, on Dallas. And that yeah. was with two failed two-point conversions. So that's impressive. And you saw Fields progress in that front. And now you were plugging in, you know, a few of those games. I mean, one of those games we lost, he, th- he, tried, he threw a 50-50 ball to Mooney in the end zone. Now that you have Chase Claypool, he's going to be that target. Right. Will he, would he come down with that touchdown? That would change that game. That would give us another win. Um, you know, you see guys like Dante Pettis, Valus Jones that are, you know, being plugged into this offense. And it's like, well, those guys probably, I mean, they're okay, but they probably shouldn't be playing in these games in these situations. Mm-hmm. Now you got Chase Claypool. You can plug him in instead now that you have, mm-hmm. uh, I think Pringle's been injured. So you get Chase Claypool to make some of these plays for you to show what fields can really do. Mm-hmm. And as you said, if they don't see fields doing much this season, maybe they'll consider using a draft pick on a quarterback. But I think I've personally have liked what I've seen from fields these last few games, at least if he continues doing that, they're going to be happy with their quarterback. They're going to go get him some more weapons, get him some protection, get some defensive players. And we're going to be rocking next season. I hope so too, man. And like, like you're saying, that should open up a lot more for Darnell Mooney because he he's not the go up and get it type of back, like getting those 50-50 balls. Um, but like he was the best wide receiver we had. And so, I mean, we kind of had to put him in those situations, but that's not his true fit. So I think getting Chase Claypool will open up a lot of opportunities for Darnell Mooney. And um, I, I think that's just going to be re- really beneficial because it just creates a lot more pressure on the, the back end of the defense and gives Justin Fields just another, just really good, solid NFL receiver option. Bales Jones, Pettis, they're, they shouldn't be your number two and three guys. They just, they should be like four and five uh, on your team, like good special teams players and, and just like gadget players, but um, they, they're just not talented enough to be your, your number one guys. Uh, so I, I really like this Chase Claypool acquisition. It's an extra year. So he's he, here with us all of next year and you got a linebacker in the deal out of it to replace Roquan. And then you also got a fifth round pick out of it too. Um so I, I, I think it's just a, a good overall trade acquisition. Um, Justin Fields wise, I, I think he's been the benefactor of a better coaching staff around him. Like you said, the first couple of weeks, Andrew, just kind of like, uh, what are we kind of doing here? But I've seen this coaching staff not only make changes in season, but in game make in game changes. Whereas the last coaching staff with Matt Nagy, you did not see that. And that was back to like Mitchell Trubisky when he was the quarterback, even if even when Mitchell wasn't the quarterback, cause he was benched or he was injured. You just didn't see those same in-game adjustments and the lack of coaching um, ingenuity that you just didn't see that. And I, I think we're starting to see that and it's really starting to benefit the team. The talent isn't there, but I, I think you're starting to see what a, above average coaching staff can do for the, this offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I like this coaching staff. Luke Getzi's done a good job with, you know, changing up the playbook a bit and Fields is looking better there. Um, the defensive coordinator, I think, has made good adjustments at the mm-hmm. half, especially. Mm-hmm. I think the defense has really struggled in the first half. I don't know why, but in the second half, mm-hmm. they've picked things up. Um, you know, and then the head coach, the guys really seem to buy into what he's doing. And uh, I mean, talking about these trades that we just recently had, um, I was listening to the GM, Ryan Poles, talk about it the other day and some of the players. And 
he's being very transparent with the players on this, either the, both the players that are being traded and the players that are currently on the team and saying, Hey, here's what we did. Here's why we did it. And I really like that transparency. I mean, you had Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and Matt Nagy's answer was always, Oh, we need to find the whys," And he would never actually explain it, you know, elaborate on that. And then Ryan Pace was kind of like, you know, he wouldn't open up about things, but Ryan Poles. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Ryan Poles called a press conference for right after the trade deadline, got with reporters and was answering questions and he was honest about it. You know, they asked him about Roquan Smith and he was honest. He said, I didn't think we were going to be able to come to an agreement. Um, You know, it's difficult working directly with a player instead of an agent. It's all that. He just came out and said that. And I like that transparency and the players seem to appreciate that too. So um, I'm liking this regime so far and Valus Jones He's had that. He's had those muffed punts, which oh, I'm not too happy about. In the Washington game, and then he had a dropped pass. It's like he's he's a good gadget player. He's, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. reminds me of like a Cordero Patterson. Um, yeah, if he gets better at like punt returns and right. you know being smart with the ball, I could see him as like a Cordero Patterson. I don't know yeah. that he's a, a second round receiver though. I think he's more of a gadget player. We'll see what happens. But man, that was such a bad drop in that last oh, no. game that we had. He had the wheels, the ball was perfectly thrown, and he just couldn't come up with it. And it's like, you'd like to see that from your second-round draft. Was uh, he second? No, he was he might have been a third. third yeah, because we had the two defensive backs in the second. Yeah. So he might have been a third. But anyways, like, you want to see better from that. Um, so other than that, I mean, we have, I think, one of the youngest teams, like most yeah. of rookies playing. Our left tackle is a rookie. One of our defensive ends is a rookie. You know, we have those two DBs. So we have a fair amount of rookies playing, and uh, those are all from the draft. So it's pretty fun to watch. Right. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, We're a young team, which is good, I think, for the stage that we're at, this this team. Um, I think what I was so concerned about was, man, we've seen these wide receivers kind of not only cause the Bears offensive drives, but – They've cost a, like a game or here, at least kind of changed the momentum a couple of times on their own um, with a decent wide receiver core. That doesn't happen. And I feel like the offense as a whole and Justin Fields development as a whole can kind of be like a better words handicap because of uh, a lack of a better wide receiver core. Um, so I'm glad we got Chase Claypool. Um, and I think, with a good coaching staff and Ryan Poles' direction, it seems like at least he has a plan, you know? Um, and it seems like everyone's got the same plan as going forward, the same plan. That's all you can ask for. If it doesn't work out, we'll bring someone new in in, in six years or five years or whatever to try and start again. But at least everyone's on the same page moving forward. And it seems like at least everyone's bought in and trying to move forward together. Yeah, and one thing I appreciate is Ryan Poles laid out his plan at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season, mm-hmm. and he stuck to it. He mm-hmm. said, we want to build through the draft, so he's been acquiring draft picks. He's not getting older veterans. He's getting young guys. Chase Claypool has still got a year and a half on his contract, so he really believes in this, and he's he's going after it, and he's not afraid to make the tough decisions like trading Roquan, trading Robert Quinn. That's going to make some people upset, but he had that plan at the beginning of the season. He executed it. And, uh, you know, let's hope he has the right plan. So far, I'm liking what I've seen, but let's see where things go. Yeah, don't forget, uh, uh, like, let's not forget that Ryan Pace, uh, how pissed, Andrew, not even mad, how how pissed you and I were 
for the lack of transparency that Ryan Pace had, Matt Nagy was always at the podium speaking for like 10 minute answering with his questions with 10 minute answers, but Ryan Pace was never there to be found. And at the end of the year press conference, Oh, we're not going to make any major change. This was 2019 after they failed to make the playoffs after a really good 2018 uh, season. Uh, we're not going to make any changes. We like where our team is at, um, you know, he, and he's just trying to hide from the fire to say all the classic stuff. 20 minutes after the press conference ends, gone is the tight end coach gone is the special teams coordinator gone is Harry. He the offensive line coach, the, like regarded in the industry, college and pros. He's done both. And he was on the Illinois uh, coaching staff for a little bit, the best offensive line coach in the nation. And he fired and thinks that's he and thinks Harry Heastan is the reason for their troubles. And he did it 20 minutes or he, they made the announcement in like a Twitter post or like an official notice because he was too scared to face the media about those decisions. That's that was the lack of transparency that right then and there, I was just like, you know what? It's not like in the back of my mind, it's, it's just not going to work with Ryan Pace. Maybe Matt Nagy, not sure yet. Jury's still out, but I, that from that point on, I hated Ryan Pace. Yeah, and one thing I really like about Ryan Poles is he shows emotion. You can tell yeah. he's real. Like, in his opening press conference, he was getting kind of, you know, choked up and everything. And it's like, you could tell this is real for him. Ryan mm-hmm. Pace was just like, you know, yeah, this is my job, whatever, I'll do it. Ryan Poles is like, this means a lot to the fans, and this is what I'm going for. Like, we're going to do this right. This is my family, you know, all this stuff. And I really like to see that now. Don't forget, don't forget that in 2018 – Matt Nagy, I believe, was coach of the year. Ryan Pace was GM of the year. So let's not get ahead of ourselves, but it's promising so far. Let's see where things go from here. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see him be coach of the year or GM of the year with players that they've had in their system for like three or four years. Because like 2018 was like a flash in the pan. They kind of got lucky, like you were saying. So if they show they can do it with like maybe a few good years back to back to back, then I'll be really happy, you know, and, and just and convinced. Oh yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'm. We we kind of talked about what we wanted for the rest of the year, and I, I think we both agree. We're just it's more development. We're not competing for a playoff spot. I think big thing. We just want to see Justin Fields' development, and you know, just to be a scrappy team that upsets a, a couple teams here and there. Hopefully, we get a, a top half of the league draft pick too so we can get some weapons around justin fields but um i i think it's definitely a building year kind of propelling into next year where we can use all of our draft capital and all of our our uh, uh cap space oh yeah it's gonna be an exciting off season to watch and mm-hmm. uh one player that i've liked a couple things i've seen from so far is Nikhil harry mm-hmm. he's only just recently gotten off ir so he's still limited and everything but i mean he had a nice Big body touchdown the other game. Um, he's played decent so far. So it'll be interesting to see him get involved with, uh, you know, Claypool and Mooney as the top two duo. Yeah, I think uh, for this season, yeah, I think going forward, I would like to keep him on the, the 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 roster. Maybe just more, you know, like we were talking about, just gadget player, not gadget, but just accessory piece. Maybe not in the top rotation, but um, someone could be used in a pinch and just used for a spark. I'd say. You know, I'd um, agree. I agree. Yeah. I like some, if he can stay healthy, heck yeah. Let's get him. Let's get him in there. Cause he has a lot of talent. He really does. Yeah. 
All right, man. Well, thanks for hopping on. We'll we'll talk again soon about our Illini and, and Bears moving forward. We're going to be happy because the Illini, at least they're carrying us forward, man. I, as, as long as I just have one of these two teams just carrying me forward through the football season, I'll be happy. I just need one of them. For so many years, so many years, both teams have let us down minus a flash here and there. So hopefully this Illini team can turn it into something um, that can be a tradition for them. But uh, all right, everyone. Well, uh, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you all soon.